0: Now guys, I'm the care director here at People's Church, and let me say this, on behalf of the care team, guys, we are just so honored to be able to provide care for you and your family. I tell you, it's good to be a part of a ministry where God is changing lives, and we get to see how excited people are because of what God is doing in their lives. You know, I can remember as a new believer how excited I was. I mean, I was excited about God saving me. I was excited about God forgiving me. And I was excited about how God was changing my life. And you know what? The church, the church played a big part in that. You know, as a new believer, church was new to me. I mean, the things they they, they did in the church, it was all new to me. But I, but it, it, But I just enjoyed it, you know. Do do y'all remember the ladies? Now, this is a cultural thing. Do y'all remember the ladies that wore the white gloves? Do you remember them? I know a lot of you guys thought Michael Jackson was the first one to wear the white gloves. Mm -mm. It was the little old ladies with the white gloves in the usher ministry. They were the first one. They would stand there and they would do this. It it was the usher ministry. They were the first ones to wear the white gloves. And I I remember... uh, The tip. Do you remember the tip? That's another cultural thing. Uh, The tip was done whenever the minister got long-winded. He got long-winded, right? And you would see people gather up their belongings and and their Bibles, and, and, and they would tip out on him like this. That was the tip. But I enjoyed church. I loved everything about the church. I I loved going to Sunday school. I I loved going to the Bible studies and Wednesday night prayer meetings. Just any place where I could go and grow in my relationship with, with Christ Jesus. You know, as a new believer, I just had this zeal for Christ. And I know some of you had a zeal for Christ as a new believer. Remember how excited you was when you first realized the love that Christ had for you? Do you remember that? Remember how you used to worship Christ? I mean, I, there was times when you would worship Christ and, and it would bring tears to your eyes. Do you remember that? Do you remember how you used to seek God through prayer? Do you remember how you used to get into God's Word and He, he would reveal truth to you? I mean, you just had this loving, close, intimate relationship with Christ. Do you remember those early years? What happened to that? What what happened to the love that we had for God? What happened to the close, intimate relationship that we had with Christ? Guys, this is what I know. If we are not careful as we go through this Christian journey, it is easy to lose the excitement. It's easy to lose a close, intimate relationship with Christ. You know, there's a church we read about in the Bible that experienced something similar. It's in Revelations 2, verses 2 through 5. And and this is Jesus, and he's talking to this at this time. It's a mature church, and this is what he says. I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked men, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardship for my name and have not grown weary. Now, here it is that, that Jesus is commending at this time this mature church. But he goes on to say this. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. Remember the height from which you have fallen. Repent. Now check this out. And do the things you did at first. Now here it is. Jesus is saying this church had had done some good deeds. They were hard workers. They they persevered. They didn't tolerate tolerate wicked men, and they had endured some hardship. But for Jesus' sake, but what happened to this mature church? What happened? Listen to what the apostle Paul said about this ch- same church in its earlier days, and we find it in Ephesians six and twenty-four. He says, "This grace be with all those." Who love our Lord Jesus Christ with incorruptible love. You see, in its earlier days, this church had an incorruptible love. And now Jesus is saying to the same church, you have left your first love. Now here's a church that was known for their deeds, but they had become unloving. They were hard workers. They they hated sin. They they endured hardship for for Jesus' sake. But the Bible said they had become unloving. Now, just like us today, guys, if we are not careful, we can become unloving. You know, we can go out and we can do some good deeds. But I'm telling you, if we're not careful, we can become unloving. We, We can... We can hate sin, but if we're not careful, we can become unloving. And we can go out and we can do some, do some good deeds and, and we can stand up for Jesus and, and go through some hardship for Jesus. But I'm telling you, if we are not careful, we can become unloving. You know, just like that church at Ephesus, if we're not careful, it's easy to fall away from our first love. Now, now, what is this first love that, that Jesus is talking about? Well, it's our devotion to him. It's our devotion to Jesus Christ. Because mechanically, guys, we can be doing some good things, right? Mechanically. But we can miss the very heart of Jesus. So how do we keep from falling? How do we keep Christ first? Or maybe, how can we rekindle our devotion to Christ? Well, Jesus gives us the answer. Jesus says this. He said, do the things you did at first. He said, do the things you did at first. So, what are some of those first things? What are some of those things that, that we did that, that will help us to rekindle a relationship with Christ? So I want to talk to you about some things that you can do to keep Christ first. Now, some of those things that we can do to keep Christ first in, in, in our life, is Bible reading. You know, if we read the Bible, I'm telling you, it will help us to keep Christ first. Church attendance is good for, for, for keeping Christ First. Worshiping and, and serving and, and fellowshipping with other believers and, and, and giving and, and evangelism. Now, all those things will help us to keep Christ first. But the ones I want to talk on for a very few moments is fasting and prayer. I want to talk to you about fasting and prayer. And let's deal with fasting first. You know, fasting has become one of the most neglected disciplines there is. And, guys, I believe I figured out the reason why. Here it is. We don't want to stop eating. Really, we do not want to stop eating. That's why, that's why most people do not fast. You know, right now, I'm going to be honest with you. I got 40 pounds, chitlins, at home. I plan on eating at least Five. But that's the reason why most of us don't, find, we don't want to give up the food. And I enjoy eating. You know what? Now, this is what I found out also. We look for reasons to eat. We, we will find a reason to eat. Have you ever heard the saying, feed a cold and starve a fever? Now, I don't know that guy, but I bet you he enjoyed eating. You know, and, and I like that saying myself because, you know what? When I get sick, I don't care what type of ailment it is, Look at here, I am trying to eat. I'm trying to eat. I don't care if I got a cold, she better feed me. If I got a fever, she best be feeding me. And look at here, if I get constipated, I don't care, feed me. Because I just figure it gotta come out sooner or later. But we enjoy eating and we look for reasons to eat. Now think about it, we just come through most of our favorite holiday season. We had Thanksgiving. We had Christmas and today's New Year's. What did you look forward to doing? Eating. That's it. We we enjoy eating. Not only do we eat at holidays. How about birthdays? Man, I like bring on the birthday cake. (laughs) Anniversaries. Man, we want to go to a nice restaurant, right? We we do. And and think about uh, if we go on a business meeting. Man, it, it always revolves around eating. And why do most people go to the State Fair of Oklahoma? I want a deep-fried Snicker bar. I, I tell you, most people don't fast because we enjoy eating. And fasting is this. This is what fasting is. This is my first point. Fasting is refraining from food. It's not eating for spiritual purposes. Fasting is. It's refraining from food or, or anything else that some folk cannot uh, for medical reason, cannot fast from food. They, you can fast from something else, but but it's refraining from whatever it is you want to fast for spiritual purposes. And, and I think this, guys, that we would just focus more on the spiritual side of fasting. It will help us to refrain from food. Here's the deal, guys. When we're fasting... We're telling God that that we are denying ourselves food or whatever in exchange to be closer to him. Yeah, when we're fasting, we want to be closer to Jesus. I tell you, when you begin to fast, you will find yourself praying more. You will find yourself in longer times of prayer. You will find yourself reading the Bible more. You will find Jesus is speaking to you in a way that's so clear to you, you'll know exactly what it is that he wants you to do. You know, God said this, if we would draw near to him, he would draw near to us. And when we're fasting, we are drawing near to God, and it draws God into our situation. Now, how many of you guys have a situation that you want to draw God into? Well, here's the deal. God has a perfect will for our lives. He has a perfect will for our lives. And we got to remember, it's not our will be done, but it's God's will be done. You know, even when we're fasting, even when we're praying, guys, listen to this. We must be open to God's will. You know, I'm reminded of a story in the Bible about David and Bathsheba and the baby they had from an affair. Now God did forgive David of this sin, but the consequences of this sin was that the baby would die. So what did David do? David began to fast and David began to pray for his child. Listen to what it says in 2nd Samuel 12th chapter 16 through the 20th verse. It says David pleaded with God for the child. He fasted and went into his house and spent the night lying on the ground. The elders of his household stood beside him to get him up from the floor. But he refused and he would not eat any food with them. On the seventh day, the child died. David's servants were were afraid to tell him that the child was dead for they thought, While the child was still living, we spoke to David, but he would not listen to us. How can we tell him the child is dead? He may do something desperate. David noticed that his servants were whispering among themselves, and he realized the child was dead. Is the child dead, he asked. Yes, they replied, he is dead. And then then I want you to notice what David did at this point. The Bible says that David got up from the ground after he washed and put on lotions and and changed his clothes. He went into the house of the Lord and he worshipped. He worshipped. Now, I don't know why God allowed this child to die. I, I do not understand all of God's ways. But I do know this, guys. Our God is a good God. I do know that. And God always has our best interests in mind. He always, no matter what the outcome is, he always have our best interests in mind. I want you to get the picture here. David had a situation and he invited God into that situation through fasting and prayer. Now, even though David did not get his desired answer, look at what happens to David in God's relationship during this time of fasting. First of all, I want you to know that David repented of his sin. And we know that when we repent of our sin, it brings us closer to God. And then the Bible said that David began to cry out to God. He, he began to pray. He began to seek God. And he invited God into his situation. And then the Bible says something very interesting. He said that David laid face down to the ground. He laid prostrate to the ground. Now, this was a kind of worship. This was a kind of worship. When they laid face down to, to the ground, it was, it was a kind of worship that showed submission. It showed adoration. Guys, it was through fasting and prayer that David put Christ first. It was through fasting and prayer that he, he rekindled his relationship back with Christ. The closeness was back in their relationship. Let me tell you, God always has our best interests in mind. Like David, you may have a situation in your life. You you may be struggling, and you want to experience God's presence. Maybe it's in your marriage. You, You could be struggling in your marriage. Maybe you have a family issue, and you're struggling with this issue. Maybe it's in your finances. Maybe there's a decision that you need to make. Maybe you're just feeling distant from God. Well, guys, beginning January the 15th, guys, we're having 14 days of, of fasting and, and prayer, and we're calling it the awakening. And I want to encourage you to come out, and I want you just to invite God into your situation by fasting and prayer. And, and do this now. This is this is so important. Be open to God's will in your life. Be open to God. And I guarantee you, if you do, you will experience the presence of God in your situation. Now, you can't have fasting without prayer. So let's talk about prayer. What is prayer and what should be involved in our our prayers? Let's let's answer those two questions. Now, prayer, simply put, is communicating with God. It is God speaking to you, and it is you speaking to God. It's a conversation that can be spoken, or it's a conversation that can be in, in silence. And did you know this? That you can even sing your prayers. Did you know that? Now, I've said by some of you guys doing worship, Matter of fact, I heard some of you guys a little bit a while ago in worship. I would suggest to you that that you don't sing. Don't no, don't sing. You know, if you do, sing what they call solo. Solo that the next person to you can't hear you. Because you probably just need to, to, to speak your prayers, okay? Now, now I want you to write this down. It won't show up on the screen, but this is so important. I want to give you the primary purpose of prayer. And we're going to come back to this later on, but I want you to write it down. The primary purpose of prayer is connecting with God in order to transfer His will into your life. It's connecting with God in order to transfer His will into your life. Now, now that's what prayer is. Now, now let's talk about what should be involved in in our prayers. You know, sometimes we can be so busy putting our request into God that we can actually miss God. Yeah, we can, sometimes we're so busy telling God what we want, what we want, what we want that we can actually miss God. Have you ever sat down and and, and prayed a prayer like this? You, You pray, Father God, I want a new car, a new home, more money, a new job. You know, I can't have a new job. Give me a new supervisor, please, in Jesus' name. Have you ever prayed a prayer like that? Well, here's the thing. There's nothing wrong with asking or praying for those things. But we need to remember, guys, remember this, that God is not Amazon.com. Okay, here's not Amazon.com. Our prayers need to be more than an order list. There needs to be other elements in our prayers. So I want to give you four elements that should be included in your prayers. And we got to remember that prayer is communication, and communication is a two-way street. So, so prayer is listening as well as speaking. And sometimes in order to listen to God, there's times when you will have to get away. So the first element I want to give you is the element of silence and solitude. The element of silence and solitude need to be incorporated in your prayers. You know, sometimes we need to get away from everybody and everything that could distract us from God. You know, even Jesus would get away. Think about it. People always followed Jesus. And here's the thing. If you and I was there, we would have been following Jesus too. But think about it. Here's a person that could take a few fish, a few loaves of bread, and could feed thousands of people. Because you know we like to eat, right? We already established we like to eat. So we would be in that line with our trays. And we would say something like this, man, I sure hope he got some Louisiana hot sauce to go with that catfish." Because people were always following Jesus. They always wanted something from Jesus. So so Jesus would have to get away and have a time of solitude and silence. Listen to what it says in Luke 4 and 42. It says, At daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. The people were looking for him. And when they came to where he was, they tried to keep him from leaving. But they didn't want Jesus to go anywhere. where where Jesus went, they they were looking for him because they always wanted something. So what would Jesus do? Jesus would get up early in the morning and he would go find him a place of solitude. Guys, there's times in our lives when you're praying, when you're you're trying to get a prayer through, you need to get to a place uh, of solitude and have a time of silence. Sometimes you may have to get away from the family. You may have to get away from... Your friends, you may have to get away from your job. You may have to get away from the TV, the computer, the, the video games, and, and you need to go find your place of solitude and have a time of silence. You know, there's times in my life when, when I'll just go to the lake. That's, that's my spot. That's my place of solitude and silence. I'll go and I'll say something like this to God. I'll say, God, I'm going to zip it today. And however you want to make yourself known to me, it's okay. It's okay. Guys, we need to incorporate a time of solitude and silence in our prayers. Another element we need to incorporate in our prayers is the element of meditation. Let me give you you some things to meditate on. It's in Joshua 1 and 8. Let's look at that. It says, do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate. Meditate on it day and night. You know, sometimes I I just want to meditate on God's Word. I want to meditate on on what God's Word is saying. I want to meditate on on how God wants me to use His Word in my life. So, I meditate on the Word of God. You know, sometimes I'm going through a troubling situation, and I'll look in the Word of God, and I'll find me a promise. And that will fit that situation. And I begin to meditate on that promise. Because the word of God says that his word would not come back void. But it's going to accomplish all that it was set out to do. So I meditate on the word of God. Another thing that we can meditate on is Psalms 48 and 9. It says, oh God, we meditate on your unfailing love. Wow. You know, sometimes I just meditate on how much God loves me. Yeah. And and it blows my mind because even when I fall short, God has this unfailing love. And so, I meditate on God's unfailing love. Another thing I meditate on, we find in Psalm 77 and 12, it says, I will meditate on all your works and consider all your mighty deeds. Man, sometimes I, I enjoy meditating on God's mighty deeds. You know, it was the mighty deeds of God that took this church from 65 people worshiping in a theater to over 5,000 people worshiping over two campuses. That was the mighty deeds of God. Sometimes I meditate on how God is, is changing lives, how, how He's healing broken hearts, how He's healing marriages. I, I meditate on the God's mighty deeds. We need to incorporate meditation in our prayers. Another thing that we need to incorporate in our prayers is the element of praise and worship. The element of praise and and worship. Sometimes I I just wanna get in my little room and I'll slide me in a Marvin Sapp CD. And you know what? I get my praise on, I get my dance on. Yeah, I, I start praising, I start dancing like David, all by myself. Because remember, during our time of prayer, we want to connect with whom? Listen to what it says in Psalms 22 and 3. It says, but thou art holy, O thou that inhabit the praises of Israel. And that word inhabit means a dwelling place. It means a place where someone lives. You see, God lives in your praise. God lives. He he dwells in, in our praise. There's a story of two guys who had a troubling situation. We find it in Acts 16, through 26. It, it says this, A mob was quickly formed against Paul and Silas, and the judge ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden whips. Again and again, the rods slashed down across their bare backs. And afterwards, they were thrown into prison the jailer was threatened with death if they escaped. So he took no chances, but he put them into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet unto the stocks. Now here's the guy, they're already in jail, and the guard is so afraid now that he takes take them and put them in a jail, inside the jail. And then he takes and he locks their feet to these stocks. He wasn't taking any chances of these guys getting away. But the Bible says around midnight, as Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns, they began begin to worship God. As they were singing hymns to the Lord and the other prisoners were listening, suddenly there was a great earthquake. The prison was shaken to its foundation and all the doors flew open and the chains of every prisoner fell off. You see, guys, they move God with their praise. Let me tell you, when we begin to worship, when we begin to praise God in our prayers, God will come into that situation, and let me tell you, things have got to change. So we need to incorporate worship and praise in our prayers. Now, let me give you the last element. And out of all the elements, I think this may be the most important one the element of surrender. You know, the greatest act of surrender is what Jesus Christ did for us. He surrendered His will and He surrendered His life for you and for me. Listen to what Jesus said in Luke 22 and 42. He says, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, not my will, But yours be done. You see, Jesus was struggling with being separated from the Father. But now let's go back to our notes. We got to remember what the purpose of prayer is. The purpose of prayer is to transfer God's will into our lives. And it was the will of God for Jesus Christ to go to the cross. And he surrendered his will and he surrendered his life to God. You know, guys, sometimes God will have me doing things that I don't want to do. Yeah. Or maybe God is is prompting you to do something that you know you ought to do. And we'll pray and we'll make excuses. And I'll pray, you know, I'll even pray to get out of them. Uh, Yeah, God would would have you doing things you don't want to do. So I I say, God, look at here. I do not want to forgive those people. I don't. And you want me to give them what? You want me what? What? I'm like, God, do you know what those people have done to me? And then you know what God tells me? Shelby, do you know what I've done for you? You see, God don't give me any release. So I have to surrender my will to His. Guys, we need to include the element of surrender in our prayers. You know, going into this new year, keeping first things first, is God's desire that we have a close, intimate relationship with him. And I don't know what's keeping you from having that close, intimate relationship. I don't. But I know God loves you. I know he desires to have a closer relationship with you. I know that. Maybe it's a sin. You know what? God God is so forgiving and loving that, that he said if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. What is it? Going into this new year, let's keep Christ first. Let's begin to fast and let's begin to pray. And let's not pray selfish prayers, but let's include a time of solitude and silence with God. Let's include some meditation on God's Word and His promises. Let's include praise and worship, and most of all, let's surrender ourselves to God, our wills to Him. And I tell you, if you do that, if you do that, you will experience God like you've never experienced Him before. Amen?